Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. Congratulations everyone, we have made it to the end of a mess. And with this, barring any major issues with my final paper, we are now officially halfway through my Masters of Arts in Ministry Studies program. Hooray! Dun-dun! Thumbs up! You know, all those cool video games, you know, you achieved a level things. But yeah, today is our final episode. We are going to be wrapping up Discipleship Methods. We're going to talk about a portion of my paper on Transforming Discipleship by Greg Ogden because... As I was writing the paper, I realized, even though I tried my best not to talk about the book and not talk about a lot of the information that was in the book, I ended up still talking about a lot of what was in the book. But there's one portion of this paper that I want to highlight today, just to give us some closing thoughts on discipleship. But before we get to that, I did want to say a few things concerning our usual wrap-up, we normally have a, in this final episode, if you're joining us here for the first time, sorry, but on the final episode of the class, I like to give some of my thoughts just on the class as a whole, just what I, not like my big takeaways, but like, this is what I think, if this was a good class or not, if I would recommend taking this class to someone, it's kind of what's going on here. But before we even get to that, I got a couple business, business, business things to attend to. So first off, next week we have the first annual, because that's how that works, first annual My Seminary Life holiday spectacular episode. I'm still working on some ridiculous name for the episode. I had a friend of mine reach out for a topic suggestion, so I think I know what we're going to be talking about, but it's going to be kind of a year-end, let's look at some of the analytics, some of the statistics of the show, talk about what's coming in 2022, and also talking about the holidays, because the holiday season is great. Might be a longer episode, we'll see how it goes, it'll be fun either way. The other thing I wanted to touch on is... The rumors that have not been going around are true. I will be joining the cast of another podcast. So in probably by the uh, by once this episode comes out sometime next week, right around probably the same time that the holiday Christmas episode comes out, there is a very high possibility that I will be on a live stream for a new show. Well, kind of a it's more of a reboot is what I've come to determine is that it's a reboot called Kingdom on the Road. Go look it up. I believe they are on Facebook. Start to get caught up in some of the older episodes. And this is a new third project that I will be a part of going into 2022. I've talked to the guy who is in charge of this show, who you might recognize from Systematic Ecology, and I've communicated to him that I would love to be a part of it, but my involvement is going to have to be slim moving forward. So it's not going to be like Geekology where on my seminary life, social media is you're getting many updates throughout the week of stuff going on on their show. This might be more of an occasional, hey, I'm on this show this week. So either way, be looking for that. 
Again, it's called Kingdom on the Road. All right, so before we get to the topic for today, I want to talk about discipleship methods as a whole. Ultimately, I enjoyed this class. I think if anyone wanted, I think if anyone was thinking about auditing this class or was wondering if there would be value in taking a class on learning about discipleship, I would say, yes, you should take that class. One of the few things I was like a little hesitant on when it came to this class was that it, how do I say this? It spent a lot of time focusing on, no, that's not the right way to say this. It didn't have enough material. (laughs) I guess I'll just cut to the chase. It did not have enough material. The first couple weeks were really, really good when we were deconstructing and reconstructing our thoughts on discipleship, our definition on discipleship, when we were, you know, did the interview with the church, when we looked at the eight hindrances, like all of that was really, really good for this episode or for this show, for this class, that was all really good. But something, like, by the time we hit Christmas break, or not Christmas break, Thanksgiving break, I was really like, yeah, this is good. I'm done here. This is enough. Like, it just, it was a little bit repetitive. Especially, I can't remember if I've said it here on the show, but I know I've had conversation with people. The books were all really good. Really, really good. Go get Rediscovering Discipleship by Robbie Gallaty. Put that on your reading list if you're listening to the show. They're they're very good books. I really liked that one. But the thing was, they all said the same thing, from the goods to the bad. Gallaty's is a little bit different. That's why I may, I'm kind of pushing that one more. He focuses a little bit more on the church history part of discipleship. But, yeah, ultimately, like... It was a very repetitive class, and I almost wish we had these, you know, last week we did this one episode where I talked about three of the articles that we had to read and write papers on. I don't necessarily, I like that as an assignment, and I don't necessarily want to write several papers in one week over multiple articles, but it's almost like that needed to be its own week. Like, that topic, what we did last week, needed to be its own week of class material rather than over the course of several weeks. I don't know. It's only, I don't know. Like, you, you read the articles throughout the class, and then you have one paper that summarizes them? I don't know. These are the thoughts that go through my mind. But that would have helped... That would have helped maybe shake things up a little bit and refreshen it as we were as this class was unfolding. But ultimately, like this was a really good class. Was it my favorite of the three? Um Yes? I think so. I'm gonna say yes, because systematic theology was a lot of reading and a lot of work. And spiritual formation I had already taken as an undergrad, and it was different in seminary. But I'm going to go with this one. Uh, This one is my favorite so far. I have really enjoyed this episode, or this class, the most of the ones I've taken here at Grace Theological Seminary. The only other complaint I have is we had four books for this class, which is fine. That's kind of normal. You either have two giant books or four smaller books for 
ministry study courses. But one of them, kind of like in systematic theology, one of them I only used once. No, maybe twice. I think it was like the first two weeks I had to read. Um, I can't remember the bo- title of the book. Uh, Discipleship in the Ancient World and Matthew's Gospel or something like that. Like It was really interesting. It was a good read, but I, I barely touched it. I think I cited one thing for it this week for my uh from it this week on my final paper that I'm turning in but ultimately like I I don't know like again if you if you want me to just glean like one very specific good thing out of it or then just get permission to have me read the first three chapters of the book I don't know I don't yeah maybe I'm just bitter because I have to buy these books maybe that's all that this comes down to but yes, ultimately, Discipleship Methods, best class at Grace Theological Seminary so far, followed up by Spiritual Formation, followed up by Systematic Theology. One, I just figured that out right now on the spot. Is there more to cover in this class? I I think so. I would assume so. I would say if there's anything that was not covered in depth here in this class was that correlation between the congregation, the Sunday morning worship, and how discipleship flows out from that. That was kind of touched on here and there, but I don't think there was ever really any in-depth, like, this is how this needs to work, other than the one week we did talk about pastors and discipleship, but that was even specifically, like, the role of the pastors. We didn't even talk about, like, you know, the tone that pastors, well, we did talk about the tone that pastor needs to set, but how that gets carried out in the church congregation to then push them from the crowd to the group is, yeah, we didn't really talk about that at all in the class. Very little, very little. I would say maybe that's another way. You can maybe add a, another week of like, oh, this is interesting. We're going to talk about that. Um was there anything that got cut? I think for the most part, I think we I think I'm getting better at this because when we did spiritual formation, which was the first 8 episodes of the show, I felt like I was like skipping things that were really important and you know barely touching on really good stuff, but I think I'm getting more into the groove of it now because like systematic theology, there's going to be topics that aren't going to get covered, but it's fine. I think we, I think during that run, we talked about the most important things that came up in the class for this. I really think we hit all the, all the important stuff. Like, yeah, there's some like detail things that aren't going to come up and I'm not going to talk about my final paper, which is going okay. I guess (laughs) the instructions are a little confusing, but Ultimately, I think we've I think we covered all the most important subject matters that we could. I really wanted to get to last week's episode talking about the emotional maturity. I think if we if I didn't do that episode, I would have felt like I I left something out that you all needed. But because we hit that, then I think it's going to go much better. I I think we did much better this class and hopefully we'll continue to go much better moving forward. So that is my review of the class overall. Good job. Good job. 
Grace Theological Seminary. And now, with almost 12 minutes into the show, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about my paper, my book review on transforming discipleship. This isn't going to be like past book reviews. I'm just going to talk about one very specific portion of my paper. So the paper was summarized into four sections. Summarizing the the book, you know, what was going on here, reflecting on the material, what I gleaned, then a next steps section, which was, you know, okay, so now that you know all this, what are you going to do next with it? But in between the reflection and the in between the reflection and the next step section, there was a section that I titled Take Note. And in the instructions, this was basically doing the reflection again. I guess if there was any complaint I could say is that I felt like a lot of there were many times where the instructions were not clear and I needed a better example of how to figure out how to do these assignments. But after the reflection was a more in-depth reflection area, or at least that's how I wrote my paper, and I highlighted three quotes. And these are that's what I want to do now. I'm highlighting three quotes from Greg Ogden's Transforming Discipleship. The first quote is this. The very nature of a crowd is the ability to be lost in it. It costs nothing to be a part of the masses. This goes back to the importance of moving from just being a spectator in the congregation to that next step of joining a small group, discipleship group, whatever it may be. For Ogden, following the example of Jesus, who had the crowd, the 70, the 12, and then Peter, James, and John, like that is how we are supposed to move in the congregation. It's fine to be a part of the crowd. It's fine to be a part of corporate worship. My bet is you're going to find more people telling you that is good than you're going to find people saying this. That is my guess, at least. I have no Barna data to tell you that that's a true statement, but that's my guess, is that there's going to be more pastors out there who are going to tell you the great aspects, the benefit of being a part of corporate worship, but the drawing you down further into these microgroups, as he says, or small groups, that is where the rubber meets the road, is maybe what I'll say, is that is where commitment really happens. It's easy to go to church and sit there and intake and leave on a Sunday morning. It is harder to get in with a smaller group and be vulnerable is really what it comes down to. There is no vulnerability. There is not a need for vulnerability in corporate worship. You can put your hands up, you know, especially if it's a hand-raising church. You can put your hands up, you can sing, you can, you know, go through the motions, but there is little vulnerability, especially in larger churches where, you know, they may not even have an altar call anymore. Our church has like a, our home church has a, you know, you can come to the front and get prayer if you so desire. And some people go up and that's great. But I think even eliminating altar calls from home, from churches strips away some of that vulnerability. 
sure there's probably been plenty of people throughout church history who have used that to get an emotional high or get attention, but even removing the like come to the altar moment and just putting it in songs instead, I think really eliminates some of the little vulnerability that could have come up in congregational worship. We need we need vulnerability in order for small groups to work. And that's a big commitment, and people don't like that. And so the crowd is easy to get lost in. And I'm very thankful for my small group because they have really taken that on. They have gotten very vulnerable, and it's so encouraging. Second quote I want to highlight here. This comes from, again, in the book, but Ogden brings up the definition of from the International Consultation on Discipleship, their definition of discipleship. And it goes like this. We define Christian discipleship as a person that takes, as a process, excuse me, we define Christian discipleship as a process that takes place within accountable relationships over a period of time for the purpose of bringing believers to spiritual maturity in Christ. Now, a lot of that we have hit week after week after week here on the show, talking about transformation into Christ-likeness. I mean, that's what also spiritual formation was all about, but transforming into Christ, Christ-likeness, being part of an accountable community. Like, we've hit on these things over and over and over again here. The part that... The, the part the reason why I highlighted this quote here for the paper and now is that f- phrase over a period of time that is part of the discipleship process that I think also people don't like we don't like vulnerability so we stay within the congregation and I think discipleship settings reveals the fact that this takes time. We're in process. Changes are not going to occur overnight. I oftentimes wonder if why things like, why people really idolize quiet times and things like that is because it gives this illusion of control. Obviously, like, have your quiet times. Pray. Read your Bible. Do those things. Like, those are good things that you should be doing. But I wonder if maybe why people really like them is because it gives this illusion of control. That I am controlling my spiritual growth here. And I am maturing as quickly as I can because it's my spiritual growth. But in a discipleship setting, it may reveal more that... You are in process, and this is going to take time. Most of these books are talking that these processes take, like, years. We're talking years here. Like, two to three years worth of work in a small group that then reproduces and go and starts over, really, for another several years. Which is an interesting... Which is interesting. And it's challenged me to cast vision further for my own small group of what are we going to, like, okay, so where do we need to go? Where are we at now? Where do we need to go? And how long is that going to take? I think that's the part that a lot of times vision casting loses, that conversation of, and how long is it going to take us to get there? Hmm. That gives me thoughts for my own life.
because I like making goals and I'm working on my goals for 2022. But what sometimes I think we just kind of put those out there. We put goals out there and maybe we think in a year, but sometimes maybe we just need to be honest with, hey, this might be a lifelong commitment of change that I'm working towards. Third quote that I would like to highlight here from my paper is, of course, a quote from C.S. Lewis, because I'm going to take every opportunity I can to talk about C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis writes that Greg Ogden quotes, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christ. If they are not doing that, all of the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself, are simply a waste of time. Just, just let that sink in. Like, that is heavy. Our purpose in the church is to draw people to Christ and turn them into little Christ. And if that is not going on, then what's the point? That's, you know, that is a conversation that I and my boss, my friend, boss, pastor, I think that's the order, Scott and I talk about of like, why do we do these things? Looking at youth ministry specific, what is the spiritual benefit of doing a lock-in? Why do we have Christmas parties? And, you know, it's not that we can't have fun. Like, fun is good thing. Fun is a good thing. We like fun. We have fun. We have fun here on the show, I think. But it can't just be fun. You know what I mean? You know, the church, and, and for the church, it can't just have programs to have programs. Like, it, you need to have a purpose behind these things. And if the purpose and the outcome isn't making little Christ, then why are we doing this? Why are we doing these things? Why do we have a lock-in? Why do we have a Christmas party? Why do we have programs and ministries and blah, 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 if the end result is not more little Christ running around. And that's what I wanted to leave you all with today. These thoughts give you something to meditate on. Why do we do the things that we do? You know, think about your own life, the ministries that you're a part of, the, the discipleship, small group stuff that you're in. Why do they do the things that they do? Why do you lead the group the way that you do? Is it producing more little Christ? Think about that. Are you aware of the fact that this is all going to take time? Are you rushing to the finish? That was one of the big things I pushed it during spiritual formation. Of Are you just trying to rush to the end of like, okay, I'm good, we're moving on. Like, no, this is a process. This takes time, and we need to, we need to get to a point where we are okay with that. And not get lethargic or complacent in it, but accept that I am a work in progress, and I want to take those steps. But it's going to take time. Have that mentality. And finally, are you still in the crowd or do you need to move in to some vulnerability? Keep that in mind as well. Maybe you're listening to this and you've never been a part of a discipleship group. May this be the moment that you finally realize, okay, it's time to work on some vulnerability and get into a group. So that is it. That's it on Discipleship Methods. The end. I have nothing else to say here. 
Although, if it's like spiritual formation, I'll keep referring back to it. I'm assuming when we get to systematic theology 2, I'll refer back to stuff from that. But spiritual formation keeps coming up. Ain't that interesting? Maybe discipleship methods will, too. Well, that's it on the My Seminary part. Let's head on over now to the My Life part. Today is the day, folks. I'm going to go see Spider-Man No Way Home, and I am so excited. I, I have not seen any spoilers. I'm, like, covering half my screen whenever I have to Google anything. If I'm on social media, it's for, like, specific purposes. I'm not scrolling and wasting time. I haven't been on TikTok. Like, I'm just... I am here. I am spoiler-free outside of just what I've seen in trailers. And I am ready. Bring it. Bring it on. Then tomorrow, Sunday, um, we have small groups. Woohoo! It's going to probably be our last one for 2021 unless we manage to work in. I'm trying to do like a New Year's Eve party. We'll have to see. Some people have little children, though, so it might not work. But also tomorrow, is going, we're going to celebrate my grandmother's birthday. Aw, so I'm looking forward to doing that as well. And hey, I'm going to probably say this again when we get to the Christmas episode here later next week. But I wanted to go ahead and take a moment to say thank you for listening to the show, for being a part of this. We're just a couple months away from the one-year anniversary, but since the... The calendar year is coming to an end. I just wanted to say thank you for everything that you have been doing and listening to the show. And I'll have some more to say about that next week. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at MySeminaryLifePod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.